Section seven of Wings and the Child by E. Nesbit. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter seven of Building and Other Matters. A moment of rapturous anticipation lights life when the kind aunt or uncle has given the bricks, when the flat, sliding lid has been slipped back, and the smooth wooden cubes and oblongs have tumbled resoundingly on table or floor. I am going to build a palace, says the child, or a tower, or a church. And, the highest hopes inspiring him, he sets out on the new adventure. But he does not build a palace, or a church, or even a railway station. What he builds is a factory, or a wall, or, in the case of the terracotta bricks, a portion of a French gentleman's country villa, the kind you see dozens of along the railway between Paris and Versailles. And however strong the child's desire that what he shall build shall be a palace or a church, that is, something beautiful and romantic, what he does build will always be the last thing he does, or ought to, admire. The fault is in the materials. They are lacking both in quality and quantity. No box of bricks that can at present be bought for money will build anything that can satisfy an imaginative child. An ordinary box of bricks, a really handsome one, measures, say, twelve by eight by two inches. If anything admirable is to be built from this amount of material, the material ought to be presented in very small cubes, oblongs, and arches, say one inch by half an inch for the largest bricks and going down to a quarter by quarter by quarter inch. Given these proportions, a really pretty though undistinguished building might result. But in the box of bricks, twelve by eight by two inches, the smallest cube measures three-quarters of an inch, and the largest brick nine by three-quarters by three-quarters of an inch. These long slabs of surface cannot be broken and disguised in such small buildings as the only ones which the materials are enough to build. Hence the deadly monotony of façade, broken only by the three, or in the case of the really handsome box, five arches, and suggesting nothing so much as a works, or a workhouse. In the bricks themselves there is not enough variety. The stone bricks, it is true, have broken out into a variety of ugly shapes, and a blue colour with which you can, if you like, build a mansard roof. But a mansard roof in a coarse ugly blue tint is no thing of beauty. Besides, it needs a solid substructure to support it, and if you make your building solid, every brick in your box will be used up, and all you will have to show for it will be a partially built wing of a peculiarly undesirable villa residence, replete with every modern inconvenience. Nor must it be supposed that the difficulty can be met by adding more and more boxes of bricks add them, by all means, and the result will be a larger and probably an uglier factory, or a completed and therefore more completely hideous villa. Unless you are a millionaire, and have a toy cupboard as big as a pantechnicon, you will never have enough bricks to build up the solid masses which rest the eye, and give solidity and dignity to architecture. Among such solid masses steps are not in the least important. Every child knows that a really good flight of steps will take half the bricks in his box, and leave insufficient material for the edifice to which the steps were intended to lead up. The tall, broad, smooth wall, 
its quiet surface disturbed only by one or two windows, a flight of steps and a doorway, is for ever out of reach of the child who has only bricks wherewith to build. The arches, supplied with boxes of bricks, are usually few and badly proportioned. There is seldom any provision for setting them up in a colonnade. The pillars which will support the ends of two arches are too wide for the end arch, which is single. This difficulty is dealt with in stone bricks, but not in wooden ones, at any rate so far as my experience goes. There never was a time, one supposes, when so much money was spent on children and their toys. It is impossible to believe that, should some toy-maker design and put on the market really desirable bricks for children, there would not be a ready sale for them. I suggest, then, that bricks are too large and too small, and that what is needed is much smaller bricks and much larger ones. The bricks in the old chest in our nursery started with two-inch cubes, and went on in gradations of two inches to the largest brick, twelve by two by two inches. The chest itself must have been at least four by two by one and a half feet. Another detestable quality in our modern bricks is their inexactness. A sixteenth, or even a quarter of an inch, more or less, is no more to the maker of bricks nowadays than it is to a bad dressmaker. Our bricks were well and truly cut. They were of seasoned oak, smooth and pleasant to touch, none of the rough-sawn edges which vex the hand and render the building unstable. They were heavy, a very important quality in bricks. They stayed put. I suggest that such bricks as these, supplemented by arches of varied curves, but unvarying thicknesses, and slabs of board varying in breadth but not in length, would not be a toy beyond the purse of kind uncles and aunts, and certainly not beyond the means of our council schools. The slabs of boards are to build steps with, and to make roofs with. Every child who has ever built with bricks feels the reckless wastefulness of using for steps the bricks so much needed for walls and towers. And who has not experienced the aggravation of finding, when his tower is built, that he has used up all the long bricks near its foundation, and now has none left which are long enough to lay across its summit and form its roof. The slabs of board should be, like the bricks, of seasoned oak, and should be an inch thick. There should be plenty of arches, so as to render possible some sort of resemblance to Norman and classical architecture. But bricks alone, however beautiful and varied, cannot as building material have the value which material freely chosen would have. Children love to make mud pies, and to build sand-castles, because the material is plastic and responds with more or less of docility to their demands upon it. Also there is always enough of it, which there never is of bricks, or, for the matter of that, of plasticine. I can imagine a splendid happiness for a child in a bushel of plasticine, but the sticks of plasticine are too small to be made into anything architecturally satisfying and much too expensive for ordinary children to have in any but such quantities as encourage niggling. You will notice that children never tire of building sand-castles on the seashore, but they would soon tire of building with a quart of damp sand on a table. It is true that the sea washes away your sand-castle, usually before it is finished, but its end is finely catastrophic, and full of damp, delightful incident. Also the climax has the great essential of drama. It is inevitable. 
how different the demolition of the brick-built house by mamma who wants space for cutting out or by mary who desires to lay the table the most promising of palaces the most beautiful of bridges are at the urgence of these grown-up needs swept away and so never being able to finish anything the builder becomes discouraged perhaps he takes to the floor as an eligible building site only to find his buildings exposed to the tempestuous petticoat of mary or the carelessly stepping high-heeled shoes of mamma the same thing happens with a doll's school or a doll's dinner party or any game requiring pageantry of any sort so that little girls who would like their dolls to be actors in some scene of magnificence find no safe place for the actors save in their arms and nurse with enforced premature maternal fussings the doll who in happier circumstances might be a druid or a martyr or francis the first at the field of the cloth of gold it is better to the child's mind that the cherished doll should safely be baby for ever than that it should be francis the first and get walked on in any house where space makes such a thing possible a table might be set aside for children to be their very own a table on which neither food nor millinery should ever trespass of course it is needful that toys and pseudo-toys should be put away daily but it is not necessary that they should all be put away those which are being used in some splendid half-developed scheme might surely be allowed to stay where they are so that it might be possible to go on with the game next day a truce might be called of that ruthless tidying up which every day destroys the new idea and compels the child each day to produce a new scheme instead of allowing it to work on yesterday's and bring it to something a little nearer the perfection which it touched when the child's mind first conceived it but it may be urged children leave everything half finished and go off to something else of course they do but clear away the half finished thing and you will find when they come back from the butterfly flight after some other interest that they will not be pleased with you i've put all your bricks nicely away you say proudly and tommy will say bother in his heart even if his lips are sufficiently trained to avoid that expletive and to substitute i do wish you hadn't i wanted to finish building my tower you see one thing leads to another it isn't that children are any more bird-witted than we are it is that they have not yet learned to restrain the thousand curiosities desires and creative impulses proper to their age you of course if you desired to set up a tableau of the field of the cloth of gold would sit down with a bit of pencil and the back of an envelope and jot down all the properties required for staging the scene but the child who has had the field in history and whose imagination has been stirred by the name of it a thing that will happen under the stupidest of teachers sets up henry and francis in paper crowns and only then begins to see that tents and banners and cloth of gold are lacking perhaps he goes off to the village shop to get flags perhaps to your handkerchief case for tent cloth perhaps to the meadow beyond the orchard to gather buttercups while on any of these quests some supremely important event may strike across his plans and overshadow them a new kitten a gift from the gardener of plants for his little garden or the fact that someone is going fishing then francis and henry are forgotten the buttercups left dying on the doorstep 
and the tent-cloth crammed into the pockets among string, stamps, acid-drops, and pieces of the watch he took to pieces last holidays and never put together again, and he will follow the new trail. But he will come back to the field of the cloth of gold, and if you have tidied up the kings and put their crowns in the waste-paper basket, the child will be disappointed and worried, his imagination checked and his scheme baffled. His annexation of your handkerchiefs will not occur if you have accustomed him to come to you, or to his nurse, for the means to his small ends. But if there is no one to whom he can apply for help, you will find that he will not stick at the sacred threshold of your handkerchief-case. The tents of the field of the cloth of gold will be far more important to him than the inviolability of that scented treasure-house, unless, of course, you happen to have explained to him exactly how much you dislike that your handkerchiefs should keep the sort of company they meet with in his pockets. Then, if he loves you, and has found you reasonable, he will refrain, while wondering at your prejudices. But he will, or ought to, find some other material for tents, letter-paper, perhaps. Letter-paper makes quite good tents, though not nearly so good, of course, as handkerchiefs folded diagonally, supported by a central pole, say a penholder, and fastened down at the tucked-in corners with pins or rose-thorns. You can explain to him that rose-thorns hurt handkerchiefs, but you will not punish him if this has not occurred to him. And this brings one to the question of crime and punishment, of which perhaps I had better say what I have to say, before I go on talking about bricks and how to supplement them. As I was saying, one thing leads to another. End of section 7